You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Check Britton into the corner, centering pass, scores off a skate in front. Getting it in over the line to the left wing side, a pass back and they score. Stutzla out of the goal is Wall and the Senators are going to score again. Figure it out, Leafs. <laughs> Figure it out. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Everything Financial. Dot com. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. It is Thursday. We have a lot to get into on the program. It is the Canucks game day today. Uh, we will kick off our guest list by previewing tonight's opponent, Wayne Scanlon. Ottawa Senators beat writer for Sportsnet is going to join us. Big win for the Sens last night in the Battle of Ontario. 6-3 victors in Toronto over Toronto. So we'll talk to Wayne about that. And then at 7 o'clock, we're going to do the Toronto side of things because the Canucks will play, of course, Toronto later on in this trip. Sean McIndoe, better known as Down Goes Brown, is going to join us from the Athletic. The Leafs are a tire fire, tire fire defensively. Mm Mm-hmm. Laddie was laughing at John Klingberg prior to the show today. Just couldn't believe what he was doing yesterday. Just twirling around on the ice. And what did you call him? Uh, Clownberg. <laughs> John Clownberg. Oh, good one. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I put hours of research and thought into that. Because instead of Kling, mm-hmm. you said clown. Yes. And then added the Berg. So at 7 o'clock, we'll ask Sean McIndoe about my nicknaming uh, prowess and other things as well. 7.30, Steve Mayer, NHL Chief Content Officer, is going to join the show. Wanted to get him on because there are going to be two NHL-specific documentaries produced by Steve Mayer and the league. Uh, One is on Alexander Degg. The other is on Joe Sackick. Uh, The Degg story, obviously, is about being one of the great draft busts of all time. And the Sackick one, I don't know how many people actually know the story about the time he signed an offer sheet with the New York Rangers. And then this is so funny to think this is how the NHL used to do business. They had a, a seven-day limit. They had seven days to come up with the cash to match. It was like there was a fairy godmother at the end. Right, right, right. As soon as the clock turned midnight, Joe popped into a New York Rangers uniform. So uh, we'll talk to Steve about making... They had, uh, did you know, they had a bake sale. Yeah. They sold Krispy Kreme donuts in front, of, in front of a Safeway. That'll come out in the documentary. <laughs> How did you get the money? It was, we thought it was going to be a more interesting story. <laughs> Turns out they just hustled and did car washes and stuff like that. Anyway, Steve Mayer is going to join us at 7.30. 8 o'clock, Thomas Drance, the Drancer from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. We'll look ahead to tonight's game. 4 o'clock from the Canadian Tire Center 
in Ottawa. It is the Canucks and Sens. Is Drance still uh, feuding with Dollywall? Where, 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 oh, I, I couldn't. There? You know what? I didn't have the bandwidth to bring that on board. Mm. I just couldn't. I saw the content. You saw it and you're like, eh. And yeah, then yesterday's I, crossover went well. Let was, everybody played nice yesterday. Oh, yeah, really? no one okay. I was producing for Canucks Talk, and it was all smooth. Can oh. confirm. I was Boring. quite nervous. I was quite that's nervous. Nice. Or is that just part of the bit? I don't know. You know, because that's sometimes what they do in, in wrestling, because we're giving away WWE SmackDown tickets today, mm-hmm. is they make it seem like everything's fine and copacetic. Right. And then the guy turns his back, and the other guy smashes him over the head with a chair. So that's the next phase in the Drance Dollywall ride. Watch out, Drance. Yeah. Dolly's coming. I, and Dollywall is 100% the guy doing the swinging with the chair. Do you right? think so? Yeah, no question. Yeah, Drance would have some sort of powder that he would like throw in Dollywall's eyes. Yeah, a handful of salt, Mr. Fuji style. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we are giving away tickets to see WWE SmackDown uh, on Friday, January 5th from Rogers Arena. They are going to go to the best what we learned submission. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know with a what we learned. Hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the contest. Not a grand prize draw for SmackDown tickets. Uh, final reminder, Canucks sends 4 o'clock from Ottawa today. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650, including the pre- and post games. Working in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock, it's Drance. 7.30, Steve Mayer. 7 o'clock, Sean McIndoe. And 6.30, Wayne Scanlon. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Big news yesterday out of Canucks land is that the team did return to practice. The big news within the news, the story was the return of Teddy Bluger's return to full participant uh, participant at practice. He is now listed as day-to-day, and that set off about... Several hours of conversation about who Bluger will replace in the lineup <laughs> when he is ready to go. Gotta love the Vancouver hockey market, eh? Uh, Bick started his show with a 15-minute list of different players that could be out of the lineup with Bluger coming back. Folks, the Canucks are back. Hockey is back. Sportsnet 650 is back. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see if Bluger plays on, on this trip. Um, Monday against the Oilers, he was one of the three scratches. So it's not like he's been on LTIR. So the Canucks have to actually like lose someone from their roster. Right. Uh, the other scratches against the Oilers were Noah Juleson and Jack Studnika. Now, the big question, the one that Bick led off with, who will come out of the lineup to make way for Bluger? Um, I assume Bluger is going to go on to the fourth line. That's where he was practicing. He was they, they kind of had four fourth liners, and I think that when they went through some drills or rushes or whatever, Bluger was actually the extra. Um, I imagine it's going to be one of Nils Hoaglander or Anthony Beauvillier. And when I actually said, like, Nils Hoaglander, I said in my brain, what are you, crazy? He's finally starting to play yeah, well. Right. Um, Anthony Beauvillier. I think that's an interesting name right now. First of all, because in theory, he could be one of the guys that comes out of the lineup, but it's probably not a coincidence that we're hearing Beauvillier's name coming up in trade rumors. I think Rick right. Dollywall mentioned that he heard his name out there recently. 
the Canucks still do want to clear cap space. That is still something that they want to do. And maybe a pending UFA like Beauvillier will be easier to move than Garland, who still has two years left on his contract after this one. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Garland is the better player of the two. Feel free to disagree. At least Garland seems to have found a home on a line with uh, Pew Suter and Dakota Joshua. I don't know exactly where Beauvillier fits. Mm. Um, Now, I know there are a few people. I saw a few people on Twitter suggesting it should be Dakota Joshua that comes out of the lineup. Um, You know, Joshua has had an interesting start to the season. He's been called out a few times by the head coach, Uh, maybe some some for conditioning, some for effort level. Um, I know some people were frustrated by some of the penalties he's been taking. But I think talking, I think the head coach still likes the combination of Joshua with Suter and Garland. And I think the Canucks, like, I know the Canucks just, they don't have a lot of size up front. So I think, I think the coach wants Joshua in the lineup. Like, he wants to make that a thing mm-hmm. for Dakota Joshua to be a regular in the lineup. He just needs more of a consistent effort out of Joshua. Joshua and Beauvillier, very, very different players. And I think Joshua, if he's on, he belongs in the bottom six. Again, I just don't know where Beauvillier fits. I think he's better off uh, in the top six or even the middle six on the fourth line. Yep. I don't know. I'd love to see a line of Bluger, uh, Lafferty, and Nils Hoaglander. I think that could be a pretty good checking line. I think the bigger story here, all due respect to Teddy Bluger and the four languages that he speaks. Did you know that? Teddy Bluger speaks four different languages. I didn't know that yeah. One. English, Latvian, Russian, and French. I learned that the other day. Um, all due respect to the like that move existing in a vacuum and who comes out and who goes in. The bigger story here is that uh, put another tick in the everything is going awesome check mark box for the Vancouver Canucks because this is about as close to full health as any NHL team can ask to be mm-hmm. at this stage of the season because everywhere else you're seeing fairly significant injuries go down right I mean I saw Jack Hughes is out week to week they almost lost Luke Hughes the other night too on a scary collision when the Devils were playing the Avs you got like Tristan Jari getting hurt and Pittsburgh's so now they're down a starting goal you're seeing injuries start to pile up which is Kind of par for the course, mm-hmm. but the Canucks are going in the other direction. Like this is going to be as close to if you were to draw up your ideal lineup, right? Like everyone's healthy, everyone's clicking, no one's struggling, no one's slumping. What would it look like with Bluger back in? You'd be pretty close, and that's awesome because the Canucks are going into this three-game swing through Eastern Canada. Well, it's funny when when um, when people started bringing up Beauvillier maybe getting traded. There were a few people out there that said, well, wait a minute. Isn't having an extra player like Beauvillier, isn't that good? Couldn't that be good for depth reasons? What if what if there is a, an injury? Like, there will be injuries. Sure. Who are you going to put in then? I do wonder if the Canucks want to see a few of the guys down in Abbotsford. Our Steve Baines down there mm-hmm. has 16 points in 11 games. Mm-hmm. Leads the team in points. This is a guy, 22 years old, who's been who's done nothing but improve ever since he got into the organization. Mm-hmm. I'm nodding along here because there's so many different things that would be beneficial from calling on someone from the farm. Like mm-hmm. one, 
they're going to make far less money than let's just use Beauvillier, right? right. So you're going to have significant cap savings if you were able to move Beauvillier out. Two, organizationally, it re sort of institutes that dangling carrot thing that if we put a task in front of you and you not only achieve but overachieve, we're going to reward you with a shot at the NHL level. It makes it tangible well, for the I'll guys add, down I'll there. Add a third, I'll, I'll add a third reason. Um, Bovillia is not going to be part of this organization for long. Sure. It right? never it felt from the moment he got acquired that he was always like— you're just the contract they had to take back. You're going to be here not for a long yeah. time. Maybe not even for a good time, but you're going to be here for a short time. That's mm-hmm. about it. Right. So, I mean, if they can't move Garland, they might just have to keep him. Right. You could and- make a case to someone, I bet, closer to the deadline or maybe even earlier that because he, he did have two years of pretty decent scoring in the playoffs, mm-hmm. that if you have aspirations beyond the regular season, Beauvillier might be a nice, nice depth I piece like, for him. I, I, I don't mind Garland with Suter and, and, and Dakota Joshua. I didn't like him up on the top line. And I think Mikheyev has really done a lot for that top line. Okay. And I also think Mikheyev still has some improving to go. Like, he's, I don't think he's 100% yet, right? I think, and then I think they're being quite careful with his minutes. Um, But Archdeef Baines is a guy that I would, I would love to see get a shot. Um, Pod Colson, I think he's probably still needs a little more time down there, but he does have five goals in six games down there. Um, I don't know. Is he hurt? I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, he's only played six games. Maybe he's hurt. I I I, well, you know, I apologize. He, we're not we're not great at. You remember following. he got stretched off a little while ago. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 so right. He might right, still right. be dealing with that. My apologies on that. I, I just completely forgot about that. Um, so let's move on to what happened um, last night in the NHL because I said before this Ottawa Toronto game, I said, listen, if you guys want to preview this, these two teams that the Canucks are going to play next. Watch this game. And uh, the Sens came out on the winning side. They beat the Leafs 6-3. to three. And if you watched the game and you were like, wow, Klingberg sure struggles out there. And wow, Reeves hasn't done much uh, and seems to be a bit of a liability when he's out on the ice. That's been the Leafs season. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you got it all. And I said yesterday, I don't know how much longer they can play Klingberg. And then he might have had his worst game of the season. So i I think the Leafs are, I think the Leafs are in pretty big trouble right now. They they just do not look like a good team, and they're not getting the goaltending. Samsonov against Tampa Bay the other day was terrible. They had to pull him and put Joseph Wool in. Wool played better and allowed the Leafs to come back and beat the Lightning. Wool gets the start yesterday. He wasn't very good. No, he made a big boo boo behind the net on one goal. Allowed six. Overall, he and- needed to help on that one. He needs someone to yell, "Hey, there's somebody coming behind you." The goalies are always the first ones to yell if there's a defenseman in that position. But no, when it's the goalie out playing the puck. Greg, I love your commitment to the bit. It's so good. Uh, so, in case you missed the overarching narrative from this game, it was three three. Everything looked all right in the third period, and then led by Tim Stutzla, who doesn't have a ton of goals this year, but has 15 points in 11 games. Ottawa scores three times on the Leafs in a three-minute and 11-second span. Boom, 6-3 they lead, 6-3 they finish. Here's the stat for you. Toronto has now given up four or more goals at home to start the season. So basically every game that they play at home in front of their paying customers, they put the worst defensive display imaginable on display. It's the first time this has happened since 1977. And now... Everyone's like, okay, enough's enough. This is 
out of control and it can't keep going on. We've got audio from Sheldon Keith, who actually punctuates this with, uh, it's out of control. But he has a bunch of stuff he says before then. Sheldon Keith, Leafs coach after a 6-3 loss uh, in the Battle of Ontario yesterday. What has to be the focus with that moving forward? Some of it's individual. Some of it's collective within the structure. Um, some of it's just being committed to it, you know. We sit in here and we celebrate guys who score big numbers and score a ton and all that kind of stuff. We don't talk enough about what we give up. That's the reality. We got to prioritize keeping the puck out of our net. You guys have survived slow starts in the past, though, yeah. before. Uh, like, do you sense there's an urgency or do you, do you sense that maybe the guys are like, well, we've, we've always dug ourselves out of this? Well, half the team is new. So I don't think those guys are thinking that. I think the new guys want to come in and they want to get off to a good start. The rest of the group, I don't know, you have to ask them. I don't think that's how they approach it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we've got we've to pull together here to keep pucks out of our net. It's out of control. It's out of control. And then during the, I think it was the post-game wrap on TNT, Paul Bissonnette was a little bit more direct in what he was seeing from the Leafs defensively. He just went right after them. So this is a nationally broadcast game. Leafs look like a tire fire defensively. There was one clip, and I'm not going to do it justice on the radio, but everybody on the ice, including Klingberg, was either twirling around mm-hmm. or just spinning uncontrollably. Was that the Giroux goal? Yeah, and yeah, it just yeah. looked it like awful. No, nobody had any idea where to be or where to go. Yeah. You know what they lacked? Cl- Klingberg was like, well, I don't know what to do with my hands. He yeah. was covering nobody. He was in the middle of the yeah. ice just spinning. Yeah, you was. might say the Leafs lack structure and discipline during that clip. But and here, guys, look at look at this look at this defense. Like I, I feel like all of us in Vancouver have a PhD in bad blue lines, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know what a bad blue line looks like. You got on the top pair, you got Morgan Riley and TJ Brody. Um TJ Brody is getting old. Right? He's lost a step. On the second pair, you got Mark Giordano and John Klingberg. Gio is, he's what, again, is he 40? Mm-hmm. Is he 40 years old? 41 soon. Yeah, right? like he, he's been a terrific defenseman in the NHL. He won a Norris Trophy. He old. Uh, John Klingberg, we already talked about. They had to split that pair up yesterday. They were minus three at one point halfway through the game. They're like, enough. The bottom pair, because Liljegren is out, injured because of Brad Marchand, the bottom pair was William Lagason and Simone Benoit. Two of my favorites, who I just learned about like it's, right now. It's not a good blue line. It's it's just not. And it's hard to fix this, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, the yeah, Austin Matthews is scoring. And yes, William Nylander is scoring and and he looks good. Um, you know, Marner and Tavares are gonna get their points, but nobody that they've added has really done anything. They've got a young kid, Matthew Nyes, that looks okay once in a while. And he got bumped up to the top line the other day, and he did score to his credit. But it is this this team is, I don't think it's that good. Well, let's play. I, I just don't think that, I just, I think at the end of the day, like the Leafs had their chance, they didn't get it done, and now they're dealing with it. Uh, I do want to play the audio because this is, in in very blunt terms, the worst defense that Biz has ever seen. This is from last night's game, 6-3. Leafs lose to the Sens. Here's what it heard like, sounded like on TNT. Welcome back. Biz, behold the Leafs defense and notice that it is invisible. 
Oh, they this, gave up a goal in 45 seconds later. They give up another one. This is a nightmare. This is the, the worst defensive display I've ever seen from the Leafs. And, and listen, they've had some bad years, but it's a nightmare right now. Even on two of the goals earlier, there's four guys below the goal line. Figure it out, Leafs! <laughs> Figure it out! Got under five minutes to do so. Oh, they gave up another one. Ah, oh, you cut the good part. That's okay. So, um, as for the Sens, I look at the Sens lineup, and I actually see way more potential there because a lot of the guys are younger. Uh, they're locked into some pretty decent contracts if everything pans out. Now, they are missing one of their best players in Thomas Shabbat, mm-hmm. the defenseman. And I think they were hoping yesterday to have uh, Artem Zub. Yes. Who, Zub, Zub. Zub, Zub, Zub. back. Um, I don't think he played yesterday. Um, but maybe he's going to play tonight against the Vancouver Canucks, so they could have a player back. I just wanted to mention a few things about Tim Stutzla because he had a really good game along with his linemate, Claude Giroux, um, the veteran with with the younger player. I think Stutzla is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. Like, that guy is so talented. A lot of skill. He is really fun to watch. So I think of these two games... um, that the Canucks have coming up against the Ontario teams, tonight's game might be the tougher one. Interesting. Now, I'll say this. Um, yes, the Sens are dangerous offensively. Um, it was funny. Wayne Scanlon, who we're going to have on the show uh, in a couple of minutes to talk more about the Senators, he said early in that game it looked like two teams that really couldn't defend collectively as teams. Like, they had no team defense. Like It wasn't just Toronto that looked like a defensive tire fire that – Ottawa has that in their DNA as well, especially mm-hmm. with Shabbat out of the lineup. Right. They like to run and gun it. I mean, there's a reason that they've got, I think they've got five guys that are point of game players. If you look at all their scores this year, even in the losses, they're still putting up three, four, five goals. Um, well, they, goal, goal, it, goaltending is a factor too. And that's a big part and, of this, and, right? And I think it's interesting for Canucks fans and probably encouraging for Canucks fans that Corpusalo got the start last night, so maybe it'll be Anton Forsberg mm-hmm. in goal for the Sens tonight, and he, he has not played well to start the Neither season. Neither of them have been very good, to be honest. Like it's just it hasn't it hasn't clicked, and I think a lot of it is probably some of the issues that plague the Leafs. They don't really play very good structured defense in front of these guys. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I'll be interested to see that part of it. The other part of it is yes, maybe this is the tougher of the two games, but you do get Ottawa on the back to back, right? I mean, and that was an emotionally charged game for them. If you listen to the players talk pre and post, they put a lot of emphasis on winning that game last night because things went bad over the weekend. I think a couple times now we've played the Brady Kachuk audio after the loss to Tampa Bay where he sounded off and was actually criticizing the fans for booing the team. We pl- we were talking about Claude Giroux yesterday was talking about how he was getting sick and tired of hearing all the negative chants directed towards his coach, mm-hmm. DJ Smith. So there, there's a real powder keg in Ottawa here. It's important to remember, too, they go back in front of those home fans tonight. Yeah. So whatever good vibes were coming from the win over Toronto, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. Because if it goes wrong for Ottawa, like let's say they're tired. They get off to a slow start. Or they don't get a save from Forsberg. What does the fan reaction sound like? Mm -hmm. Where does the game go, right? Are these guys who it's a little bit of a younger, fragile group, do they have the the wherewithal and the mental capacity to deal with adversity? Because this season, I'm not going to lie, 
they have not done a great job in the face of adversity. Like they've got more losses than wins. They've complained openly about how frustrated they are and how many distractions there have been. So it sets up a really interesting narrative for tonight's game. A reminder, that game goes at 4 o'clock tonight. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. We've also got pre and post coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You know, I think the Sens are better than the Leafs. Okay. I, I, I really do. I, and I know the Sens are currently four points back to the Leafs, but they got a couple of games in hand. And I really do like the gold differential total for to really see what your team is. The Sens are plus six. The Leafs are minus three. Do you think the Ottawa Senators will finish higher than the Toronto Maple Leafs in the standings this season? Well, I just said I think they're better than them. Uh-huh. So, so I, I guess I... I think it's possible. Answer the question. <laughs> yeah, that was a confident statement. No, it's not confident. I just. Oh, no, I, I know. No, I'm, I, I'm not confident because because I still think the Leafs had those veteran players that like have done it before in the regular season. I think long term. You know I mean, I think long term over the next five years, Ottawa may achieve more success than the Leafs. I don't oh, think it's going to happen. I would say 99 percent sure, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think Toronto will be in the playoffs and Ottawa will not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we will ask Wayne Scanlon. He's coming up next. Uh, Ottawa Senators beat writer for Sportsnet will be joining us to previews tonight. Preview tonight's game, and then we're going to do the Leafs uh, in the seven o'clock hour with Sean McIndoe, better known as Down Goes Brown. We got a lot more to get to NHL stories from yesterday. We didn't even get to Jonathan Huberto addressing his benching in Calgary, and lots more Canucks talk as well. It's all coming up over the next two hours and thirty minutes. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Out of the goal is Wall, and the Senators are going to score again. Giroux is right there. Wall got trapped out of the net. On a turnover, and boom, it is over. 6.32 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford. Family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. This poor computer is so close to dying. Mm-hmm. You should uh, let it. It's d- it's done it two up two updates this morning. Mm. It's like it's just dying to stay relevant with the times. Right. Well, it's a Commodore 64. But it doesn't so. have the body to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got a bad body. Uh, we are in hour two of the pro- or sorry, hour one of the program here. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. Uh, we have Wayne on the line. We're just working on getting Wayne Scanlon. Not quite yet. Did you line. watch the Kings Golden Knights game last night? Bits and pieces. Yeah, I was very monitoring that one closely because the, King, ta- the Kings ta- are on a heater. We aren't talking enough about the Kings. Nope, they are good. That they are is very, very good. A very, very good team, and they ended up beating the Golden Knights four to one in some big, big boy hockey um, in the uh, Western Conference. Yeah, I wanted to get to that a little bit later in the show when we run through some of these stories in the NHL. Also, for those that are asking, we will address the Trevor Linden interview yesterday on Canucks Central. Um, I don't think that Jason and I think it's as uh, explosive a story as some do, but we will pay it some mind later on 
in the program. Uh, but joining us now, as mentioned, uh, Ottawa Senators writer for Sportsnet, Wayne Scanlon joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Wayne. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So uh, let's start in the immediacy here. Fresh off the win, 6-3 over Toronto last night in Toronto. How badly did the Sens need that win last night? And how big is that going to be for that group? Well, it's big, but of course, they got to turn around and follow it up by playing Vancouver tonight. So mm-hmm. that's not going to be any picnic. But uh, yeah, that's basically just what the doctor ordered. Uh, I don't know if you guys have gone through it with your listeners or what, what's gone on here the past bunch of days. You know, them basically getting booed off the ice on Saturday and people chanting for the coach to be fired. And then the Brady Kachuk, the captain you know, basically turning on the fans just a little bit saying, hey, you know, you guys got to be supporting us uh, and DJs are a coach. So, I mean, it was so important for them to back it up on the ice. And they did that last night in Toronto. The Sens looked so good out of the gate. They were three and one. They were, you know, they beat Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, Washington. They beat them in multi-goal games. And then, and then what happened? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's hard to, it's hard to really explain. They've had so many years of, uh, of tough starts in October and November, and I think we thought, well, finally, you know, they've, they've got the roster, they've got the personnel, and they got the approach because they know this has been an issue, so they're, they're going to fix it and supposedly tightened up their defensive play, but that, it's that old bugaboo again. You know, they were too easy to play against in their own zone, uh, chasing games, giving up early goals. Their goaltending wasn't great. It was uh, just a, an entire recipe. I mean, you guys have been through some tough years. You've seen what's going on with the Oilers right now. It was just a little bit of that. Like, you, you can have a talented roster, but if you're not playing as a group, and if you're not tight in your own zone, and if you're not getting some big saves, I mean, Corpus Allo last night made a couple of huge saves in that first period. They could have been down a couple of goals, and it might have broken their spirit. But instead, he kept them in the game. Uh, and, you know, they did blow a couple of one-goal leads, but it was, it was you know, they had the, the good goalie, and this time the other team had the soft one, and uh, that was a big difference in the third period. Could you see DJ Smith going back to Corpus Allo tonight? Because Forsberg does not have very good numbers. Well, that's the kind of the, the question of the day here. Uh, we, we probably won't know until tonight. Uh, I think it's a possibility. I mean, don't forget Corpus Allo got hooked in his last start and uh, Forsberg came in. So uh, <laughs> neither one of them has really set the world on fire. But I think he's he's got a little more faith in, in Corpus Allo. Uh, I think it's going to depend. He really leans on his goalie coach, Zach Burke, and, and to talk to him about how a goalie feels. Did he come out of that game okay? You know, he was pretty busy. He was pretty active. Uh, maybe just to to be safe. I mean, they they're playing three and four. They got Calgary in here Saturday night, so you got to be careful. It's a it's a long season. They're going to Sweden next week. You don't want to do anything crazy, but I, I think it's a definite possibility they could come right back to Corpus Allo. How much have they missed Thomas Shabbat on the back end? Well, you know, you, you miss him for for his play, uh, especially on on the power play. But I think it's it's mostly about slotting. And, and as much as they've missed uh, Shabbat, they've missed Artem Zub, who's kind of an unsung guy back there. But 
plays a really stalwart defensive game and is, is a great partner for the young, brilliant Jake Sanderson. So it, it's it's kind of a mess right now, missing three starting defensemen. I mean, you got Chikrin out there, uh, Jacob Chikrin. You know, God bless him. He's playing really well. It was a great pickup last year. He's playing half the game, right? Like he's out there playing 30 minutes. You yeah. know, the last few games he's been been like that and it's been just a real rock back there and, and Sanderson as well but you can't keep going like this so Shabbat's going to be a little while he's got a broken hand Zub went to Toronto and they thought he might play but he's coming off a concussion and they're just being very careful with him so mm-hmm. he's he's another guy that I think is a possibility for tonight and if not tonight then maybe Saturday and that would just really help stabilize things especially in the top four back there so, Wayne, the fan reaction to DJ Smith, the head coach that Brady Kachuk didn't like and called out, how much of that fan reaction, I've asked this a few of a few people, but how much of that fan reaction was about the Senators fan base just kind of wanting to wipe the slate clean of the last regime, like entirely? You know, Pierre, Pierre Dorian's not there anymore. Obviously, there's a, a new owner. DJ Smith, in terms of like managerial, would be the last holdover. Um, does does that play into it, or was it just all about the Senators' start to the season? You know, it, there's definitely some leftover feelings of what's going on here the past the past bunch of years, but I don't think it's got much to do with Dorian. I, I, you know, that was a a kind of a separate issue, um, and and him losing his job for the reason that he did. Um, some people might think that Smith's kind of out on an island without Dorian, but I think they were both going to be under scrutiny no matter what. You know, you've got a new owner coming in. You've got a new president of hockey operations and Steve Steos. So everybody's kind of under the microscope. But I think what's really gotten to fans is just the defensive play and the lack of structure over the past bunch of years. And I think fans just got tired of it. And so I think when they saw that same pattern this year, and giving up easy goals and lax coverage, it just set them off. It's kind of like this was supposed to be different. You know, we've, we've got a new owner. We've got a fresh start. We've got better talent. It should be different. And there's a pretty strong group here that just feels this isn't going to get better and they're not going to get to the next level until they get a new coach. Have and been- I don't think a couple wins here and there aren't going to change that. There's some people feel that strongly. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, he's got, he's on an expiring contract. I don't think he's, his job is in jeopardy in the next little while. I think, you know, the new group's going to take some time and analyze this, but, you know, I would not be sh- shocked to see changes made at the end of the year and, and a new GM brought in and that new GM's going to have an idea where he wants to go with his coach. Have there been any names thrown out there though, just in speculation in terms of possible replacements, if, they do decide to fire DJ Smith. Like we hear about Gerard Glant in, in Edmonton. I don't know if there's anything to that, but Jay Woodcroft certainly hasn't had the best start to the season in Edmonton. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the usual suspects. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny, the stuff that circulates on social media, because I guess Patrick Waugh was spotted in a Canada restaurant <laughs> recently. And that, of course, <laughs> right. set people off. Oh, Patrick's coming in, because look, they're, I don't think they'd be entertaining him in a Canada restaurant if... Uh, to be the next head coach um certainly he's a guy that they might they might consider especially with michael landlauer's 
connection with Montreal. You know, the, the new owner here was a previous uh, part owner of the Montreal Canadiens, so he's got that connection. Claude Julien is a guy that lives right here, respected coach, could bring in the kind of structure that this team probably needs. Uh, he's at most of the home games. Like, I, I see Claude all the time in the in the press box, and he doesn't want to go any, anywhere else. This is his home. Uh, this is an opportunity he would certainly entertain. I mean, Jacques Martin's name comes up, but I think they've kind of been there, done that with Jacques. But it's that kind of coach that could bring some structure the way that Jacques did in 1996 when he stepped in here and he stabilized things. You know, I, I think that's probably the direction they will go in next. We're speaking to Wayne Scanlon from Sportsnet in Ottawa here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Wayne, you mentioned the new owner, Michael Andlauer. Uh, do you have any idea of what kind of, I'll use this phrase, uh, constructive feedback the NHL might have given Andlauer in the wake of that rather candid presser last week? Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything um, about that. I mean... I'm sure that they might say something in passing. I don't think I don't think he got upbraided or anything, or you know, got had a, a phone call the next morning, anything like that. I mean, you got to take that press conference in its totality. And he did basically say that that what happened with that that screwed up trade transaction was was on the Ottawa Senators, and it was you know not on his watch. And he got, I think he felt like he got blindsided a little bit, both not really knowing the circumstances, but also not knowing that they might be losing a first-round draft pick as a penalty. I mean, that's that was pretty tough. And I think he basically heard from, you know, the, the selling group here, the the former uh, Melnick uh, group, you know, that owned the, the mm-hmm. team. And, of course, Eugene Melnick died and was left to a board of directors and, and the Melnick family to carry on from there, you know, over the, over the interim. Uh, I, I think he just felt like he got blindsided, but he never came out and said the NHL did wrong or, you know, that, you know, this is a bum rap. I mean, he basically said, we've got to take our lumps here. That was, uh, that was an egregious mistake that was made and, and we're going to pay the price. They just didn't really like the way that it came down. But I, I will say it's one of the most, honest and forthcoming press conferences I've been through in the last few years. And uh, we'll see if uh, he continues to have that, that fresh air and, and honest approach or if he tempers things down a little bit. That'll be interesting to watch. Does Andlauer have too much on his plate trying to stabilize the Ottawa Senators and try and probably, he's probably discovering things about the organization that like, he's like, well, we do it this way. We shouldn't do it this way. Um, but what's going on with the new arena? Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's a, a whole other big issue. Um, and I think that's going to take some time. I don't think there's any urgency there. They have a perfectly good rink out in Canada. I think they expect they're going to, even if uh, things proceed nicely with a, uh, a downtown arena, I think they all figure it's going to be five to seven years before they're playing in it. So I don't think that's anything urgent. I think that's very much a back burner issue. And don't forget, he brought back Cyril Leader. Cyril Leader was the president of the, the business side of things when the Senators got approved to build a rink in LeBreton Flats. Mm-hmm. And, well, guess who was the quarterback of that entire enterprise? Cyril Leader. So, you know, it's not like Ann Lauer's got to start from scratch and, and get to know the mayor and talk to the business people and figure out where they can build and all that. They, a lot of the groundwork has been done. So he's, he's stepping in, and Cyril Leader 
he just couldn't have a better lieutenant in terms of that file. So he's very lucky in that respect. So I certainly don't think that's a front burner issue for him. It's more about stabilizing the team, especially the hockey hockey operations side. They just let a GM go. Steos, you know, has to step in and be the interim GM. None of that was on the on the table, and and now they're headed to Sweden next week. So uh, he's got a lot of front burner stuff to deal with, <laughs> and the arena's uh, very much in the background right now. But eventually, will become uh, a big story here. Well, Wayne, thank you very much for taking the time to talk about the Ottawa Senators. Great information as always, and hope to chat with you again. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Wayne. Wayne Scanlon from Sportsnet in Ottawa, uh, here on the Halford Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. The Canucks are also in Ottawa currently. Uh, they will take on the Sens at 4 o'clock this afternoon. You can hear everything right here on Sportsnet 650, pregame, postgame, actual game. I, for, I forgot, Cyril Leader. Mm-hmm. What a great name. You don't get a lot of Cyrils these days. Yeah, you know? yeah. The only other one I know is Cyril Sneer. That's right, from the, the Raccoons. raccoons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Rakens. Um, yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I saw someone named Rufus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't get a lot of Rufuses, Rufi, if you will, mm-hmm. anymore. Rufuses, yeah. If I had, yeah, you should have two Who's kids. Who's the most famous Rufus? Oh, was it the one from Bill and Ted's? Yeah, I think so. That Rufus was the one to I Sorry? Oh, you don't know who that is. Mm. Who? What did you, I didn't I hear what you said. Rufus DeSole. Oh, Rufus, Rufus Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright's yeah. a good one. The DJ? Rufus DeSole? Oh, does, my does, goodness. Does he this know is... Armin Van Buren? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. So our reference was from a, a movie called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which came out approximately 89, 90. <laughs> You're talking about who? A record producer. Rufus DeSole. Who does he produce? No, he's like a DJ. Oh, like oh what kind okay, of a DJ? Okay. DJ? Sorry, yeah, yeah. What yeah. kind of DJ? Like at like raves. And right. Like oh, sorry. I thought, I thought he was a music. So producer. he probably does know Armin Van Buren. See, stop saying Armin Van Buren. Uh, There's also not a lot of kids named Armin but anymore. But what about Hardwell? Maybe not in Canada. I feel like Armin. <laughs> it's a group too. It's not just one person. It's All right. A group. Um, let's talk about this Linden thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, we got some time. Begrudgingly. Uh, yeah. Begrudgingly, we're gonna do this. Let's let's just treat this like we're gossiping. Well, oh my God, did you hear what he said? Okay. (laughs) Because he said it, right? And you have to talk about it because it's out there now. I will preface all of this by saying, yes, I have time for the complaints, including that one dude, Ashley, on Twitter who says we suck now. Um, And he was pissed off that we mentioned this at all. I do have time for the Ashleys of the world. (laughs) We suck now. Come on, man. Yeah, he said, we got, yeah, who say, why is this being brought up? whilst the team is on its best start in decades and is about to go east for a very profoundly important road trip. Look, I didn't do this. This ain't me. If you want to blame someone, blame Sat and Dan, who had Trevor Linden on their show yesterday, talking about a multitude of things. Apropos of nothing. Including his time in the Canucks front office, working alongside Jim Benning. Things got interesting yesterday, right here on Sportsnet 650, when Linden started to talk about the draft process, specifically the process that led to selecting Elias Pettersson at the 2017 NHL entry draft. I will just play the clip. We will come back on the other side. Here's Trevor Linden talking about how things went in 2016, the year prior, and then in 2017 when the team ultimately selected Elias Pettersson. Take it away, laddie. I wasn't happy with the way our process was in 2016. 
And that was the first year Judd had taken over the reins, and I did not like how our meetings went. And, and so in 2017, I, I really pushed hard to have Judd, you know, really step up and, and, and really run a robust type meeting in that we can really put, uh, you know, our thoughts and feelings on the table. And, and um, uh, you know, I mean, so, and I really pushed hard as a management group to have Judd and his guys make the pick and Judd and, and give Ronnie Lorm a lot of credit as well. They loved this guy. And, and so, um, you know, Jim wasn't sold and, and, you know, I, Jim had his choice. He probably would have taken a different player. And, and, but I, I really pushed to have these guys that were, they were banging their fists on the, on the table. And, and I, that's what I wanted them to do. I wanted like, you know, like let's, let's have these conversations and let's put every, cause I didn't feel we did a good job in 2016. And I think it cost us. Well, I know it costs us, as we all know. So, um, yeah, and, um, you know, I mean, um, yeah, and Elias is a special player, right? I mean, he's, he's uh, and, but, I mean, even, even at that, I mean, you know, 2017, he, he, he's drafted. I mean, now it's 2023. It's six years until he's a guy that, you know, you are going to, you know, that, that, that has got it figured out and is, he's got his, you know what I mean? And that's, 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 that's kind of how it works. It takes a while. And so nice to see it happen. So um, I think it's important to remember that Trevor Linden was Jim Benning's boss. Some people forget that. They almost think of Trevor Linden as like he was this figurehead president. No, mm-hmm. he was the president of hockey ops. He hired the general manager. Yeah, yeah. So he, so essentially, and I kind of dug into this a little bit more. What happened in 2016 was Jim Benning was like, we need to draft a defenseman. And he really liked you, Levy. And I think what you can hear from Trevor in that clip is that maybe no one was listening to any counter opinions on that. He didn't like the process. So the thing with so what so why is this important to bring up now? If you want to have a legitimately good reason to discuss this now, it's just lessons learned. If you're gonna hire scouts, let them do their jobs. If you respect their opinions, listen to their opinions. If you don't, fire them, mm. right? Bring in new scouts. One will agree with you. And I think that 2016 draft, it, I mean, if you, in hindsight, it was a disaster. Um, maybe there were scouts that were like, don't necessarily hone in on a defenseman. We know you need a defenseman, but there are a couple other players in this draft that you should look at, even if one of them happens to be a winger, mm-hmm. right? And that would be Matthew Kuchuk. Um, but... Well, the, but but I think so. Why is this interesting? Why should we be talking about it? For me, it is kind of gossipy because we all kind of knew this. We, we all knew this. Now Jim Benning has denied it. He said, "Nope, that's not the case." Which was interesting that he came out there and he gave that. Uh, I can't remember who the reporter was. I apologize, but he came out and almost like immediately denied it. So there is still some like, "Whoa, who's telling the truth here?" But I think the important thing is. If you're going to hire scouts, empower them and let them do their job. We hear that, um, you know, empowering the Canucks leadership group. That was one of the things the head coach said. He said, I want to hand over some responsibilities to you. I don't want to be a dictator here. I want you guys to be part of this. Mm -hmm. And if if I'm just a dictator here, this isn't going to work. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway is that Lyndon spoke on this. He's spoken plenty of times. He's come on our show before. 
But there's always been a real guarded response when it came to anything about his time uh, in the Canucks front office. And there was always that kind of understanding that he wasn't going to go certain places, wasn't going to talk about certain things for a multitude of reasons. You can infer whatever you want here. I don't care. Everyone knows that it's out there. I think the bigger point here is that for some reason or another, he decided to open the vault to a certain degree yesterday, and that was an interesting thing. Look. There is a guy in Trevor Linden whose legacy is going to be always linked to the city of Vancouver and specifically city of Vancouver's local hockey team. And that reputation was about as golden as it could be before he went to move and work in the front office. And then it got questionable and cloudy and controversial Mm -hmm. and a little more complex and layered. And that probably is an issue that goes unresolved until you get to explain your side of things or at least explain where you were coming from. Have your say. Have your day. Now, the timing of it, whatever. No one has any control over that. You don't control when news gets made. You don't control when content gets made for you. It just happens. You can talk about one thing and talk about something else. But at the end of the day, when Lyndon decides to go down memory lane and open up the vault to a certain degree, yeah, People are going to listen, and people are going to talk about it. So my apologies to Raja Shergill, uh, who used to be a producer here, but I don't think he was here when we were here. He spoke. He reached out to Jim Benning, and Benning said, we were always going to draft Pedersen. The whole group liked Petey, and he mentioned that he told the owner the night before the draft that the pick was Pedersen. So it's a bit of a he said, he said thing right now. But I think, you know, I tend to believe what Trevor said because Trevor made it sound like he he kind of like, he said, listen, I'm the boss here, mm-hmm. right? I'm the boss here and we're going to let Judd run this, not Jim. Right. Judd Brackett, of course, former scouting director for the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, we got a lot more to get into on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it's a big show if you love hockey and the National Hockey League. Sean McIndoe, down goes Brown from The Athletic, is going to join us next. We will look ahead to the next victim on the Canucks list after Ottawa. That's right, Toronto, the Maple Leafs. They lost 6-3 last night in the Battle of Ontario. They are a defensive mess. We'll talk to Sean about that at 7 at 7.30, Steve Mayer is going to join us. He is the NHL's chief content officer. He's busy making documentaries, going to outdoor games, going to stadium series games, and being the architect behind a lot of these initiatives. So we'll talk to Steve about all that at 7.30. That's our two. It's all coming up next. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.